0: Michael Osterlink here. I'm with Nancy Parrish. She is the Executive Director of WAND. How are you doing, Nancy? I'm
1: um, great, Michael. Thank you. Good to see you. Nice to see you.
0: So uh, you guys have a really interesting initiative around nuclear weapons, which originally was the focus of WAND. You guys have expanded beyond nuclear weapons, but it seems to be going back to your roots more recently. Um, tell us a little bit first about yourself uh, and also about WAND, and then we'll kind of jump into your uh, new initiative.
1: Sure. I'd be happy to. Um, one has gone through a whole lot of changes in the last few years, um, and I've been fortunate for the last year, and I have to be part of that. Uh, some of it was physical relocation. Um, we used to have remote offices, or actually, the main office was in Massachusetts, with a remote office in Atlanta. That although we've always had a presence here in Washington D.C., um, we've consolidated all that, so all of our folks here are in Washington D.C. now, um, and we've undergone some staff changes with with that. Um, there was some leadership changes a while ago, and. I kind of got to come in on the end of that. Um, I started out actually really just kind of helping the board through some of the process and. At one point, they said, well, would you do this on an interim basis? And I said, well, sure, but just interim. Then um, about six months later, um, they said, but would you do this for a longer period of time? And I've been having more fun in this job than I've had in a really long time. Oh, good at for work. you. So, oh, nice, <laughs> nice, So, yeah, so I uh, accepted, it's been about a year since I've been officially in mm-hmm. as executive director.
0: So, tell us a little bit of the history of WAND, where you guys started around on the nuke issues, where, you've, where you are now, and then also kind of going back, and we'll talk about your new initiative around
1: Sure. So, WAN was formed specifically around nuclear weapons. It was originally, we're now Women's Action for New Directions. Um, WAND was founded as Women's Action for Nuclear Disarmament. Um, It is very much the roots of the organization, and you're correct, we do have our fingers in some other things, but part of what we've done in the last year and a half is to really kind of refocus on those roots, too. Um, WAND was founded in the early 80s by a group of really lovely women based out of Boston that at the time were... um, You know, thirty-something-year-old young mothers, Mm. and really, really concerned about where the where the world was and where nuclear weapons were their role in the world at that time and how dangerous it felt. Um, So they took it on basically as an issue that they wanted to, you know, end the threat of nuclear war, and um, grew throughout the years. For a number of years, we've had chapters in different Mm. states. um, Again, with that model of kind of you know, basically young moms at the time uh, taking this issue on because of their concern for themselves and their families. Um, what's, what we've done in the last couple of years is to, as we've refocused on that, um, it's really a fascinating thing. So as a 50 something, um, I, I do know, I do remember, uh, the threat of nuclear war feeling very present. Um, and then for a number of years there in the middle, uh, it really didn't. So a lot of the kind of millennial age and even younger women, um, people, but we focus on women. Um, don't have any, didn't, didn't grow up with any sense of that. They didn't do the 1950s drills of hide mm-hmm. under the desk. They didn't listen to Cold War rhetoric like you know we did. Um, it sort of felt like um, uh, an old issue or something that wasn't relevant any longer. Um, all of a sudden, anymore, we've got issues obviously you know, as we speak right now. The president is in Vietnam um, attempting to talk about nuclear issues with the leader of North Korea. Um, we now, in the last couple of days, have saber-rattling going on between India and Pakistan. This right, right. feels really present and really real again.
0: We also have, with the U.S. backing out of a recent uh, treaty with the Russians. Yes, yeah. absolutely.
1: Yeah. Um, and Iran. Uh, oh, no, that's true. <laughs> so that's not, true. Just on a bunch of fronts, it feels really yeah, present yeah. again. So that's kind of been our... our, our part of what drove us to both refocus on nuclear and really to aim at younger women. So the mothers of WAND, (laughs) as they were, are now in their 70s, 80s, some in their 90s. And so the push has been to really um, educate and make this issue feel um, understandable to younger women. Um, And so that's really where we focus a lot of our messaging and our activism these days um, we also run, just side note, of, well, we'll get into it with this issue, but our Women State Legislators Program. Right, right. So we work with women state legislators around the country um, and uh, enable them to understand the impact of federal budget issues and federal defense choices and what that means for them at home in their own states.
0: Nice. So <clears throat> let's talk specifically about this new initiative you guys have. Uh, when did it start?
1: Um, We originally ran this issue in 2018, In the 2018 uh, legislative session was the first time that we took it on. Um, We've really expanded our involvement in it um, for the 2019 legislative session, Um, so it's relatively new.
0: And why did you start this particular initiative? Is there a name for the initiative?
1: Well, yes. Um, We've now got a coalition, because we are now collaborating with other organizations, and it's United Against Nuclear War. Um, U-N-A-W is the oh. roll off the tongue. <laughs> nice. <laughs> um, but we've internally simply called recall it our state resolution campaign. Um, and basically what we're responding to is um, Congress basically abdicating its authority um, and not taking on its authority, which is allegedly to be the, the, the body that has the right to either declare war or not declare war and make decisions of um, defense and, and war activities. And de facto has over the years, last and several years, really handed that authority to the president. So what we are looking to do, because some of the messaging we got from, as we you know march up to the hill as we are wont to do, and um, you know shake our brooms at the <laughs> Congress people there, and say, hey, you know, we need you to take this seriously. We need you to take this on. The message that kind of kept coming back over and over again was that um, they're not hearing from their constituents that this is a problem. Okay. So they're not hearing that um, out in the states, where they all come from, obviously, as well, and who they're the folks that elect them. So we said, okay, we'll take it down a notch then. And so basically going back to state legislators and making it clear to them that here's why this should matter to you. Here's what's important in this. Here's the impact this has on your state, on your state budget. Um, and,
0: and is this specifically calling for reductions in nuclear weapons? um the <coughs> president's
1: unilateral ability to launch nuclear war? I mean, wh- wh- what is specific about this? <coughs> Our state resolutions are a little <coughs> bit different in different states because whoever introduces it obviously has some say in the <coughs> Pardon me. Yeah. In how that language gets um, used. But it's typically either no first use, okay. basically saying we, the United States of America, will never be the first ones to launch a nuclear weapon. <coughs> Excuse me. Dry throat. Um, on, the, um, on the other end of the spectrum, sometimes we have much stronger language about getting rid of nuclear weapons entirely, but that's really kind of the exception rather than the rule. But it's basically no first use, and it's also presidential sole authority. Okay. So the President of the United States currently has the authority, whoever the President is, right, right, right. Um, and that's been the case for a number of years, to launch a nuclear weapon with or without a reason, with or without a provocation, um, with or without the approval of anyone else.
0: So, your, your basic concern is first strike, not in a response to an, a, an attack by the Russians or the Chinese or another state actor?
1: I think what we're trying to do is take a realistic uh, bite at the. at the, You know, what we want is none of it ever to happen. Well, of course. But to do something legislatively, I think as you are very familiar, you know, you've got to take some baby steps first. So, basically saying we won't launch it first, and the president shouldn't have the ability to launch it uh, his or herself without any of the. Eyes approval.
0: Yeah, with the second part of it, what kind of a, what secondary authority would you want to to uh, be part of the president's decision to do a first strike?
1: Um, I think that number one would be a, a first strike that's an act of war, and so theref- there has, it should has be to, Congress.
0: Okay. All right. So <clears throat> Article 1, Section 8, uh, War Powers. So the president, from what you're thinking is the president should have no authority to launch a first strike against any state actor or non-state actor. They have to, he or she should have to go to Congress to get authorization to do so? Yes. Uh, pu- uh, declaration of War? Yes. Cool. <laughs> <laughs> Makes sense to me. Um, <clears throat> so your the federal legislators are saying, we're not hearing from our constituents. You're saying, well, let's make it, let's let your, let, we'll, we'll create a campaign so your constituents will start contacting you. Part of that campaign is to go to state legislators and get them to introduce resolutions. Um, can you give me an idea of how many state, states have done this and yeah. some of the champions you have and, and what's happening the sta- at the state level? So in
1: 2018, we had 10 <coughs> resolutions introduced in 8 states Nice. Um, and this year so far, I believe we're at 16 resolutions in 14 states. Cool. Um, so we're, we're going the right direction. Yeah. The other thing we learned along the way, and so I, I'd say our champions right now would be the state of California. So okay. uh, late in the legislative uh, session last year, uh, towards the end of the summer, Um, There were actually two pieces of legislation that were introduced in California um, by two different state legislators, Mm -hmm. um, and both of them passed. And what we learned in that process, because I actually went, I'm a California native, and was out there and uh, worked on the advocacy day um, as as the bills were going through committee. And we learned while we were out there that uh, there are other organizations that are working on this issue too, namely Beyond the Bomb, Okay. Uh, Union of Concerned Scientists that makes sense. and uh, Physicians for Social Responsibility, PSR. So um, that was in some way sort of I shouldn't say news to us. We know they they work at the state level too, but we kind of found ourselves out there like, oh my gosh, we're a little bit tripping over each other. Hmm. Why would we not look to unify our efforts? Nice. nice. And that's where our coalition came from. Um, we've also since been working with Wind Without War as well. Oh, Stephen. Yeah.
0: <laughs> awesome. Um, so a lot of the groups you've named are been kind of. Considered center left groups, although I'm sure they're nonpartisan in the legal sense right. of the word. But it seems to me that the questions on first strike, right declarations of war by Congress, and nuclear uh, weapons in general is a very transpartisan issue because I do know a lot of conservatives and libertarians who would share your concerns and probably support these resolutions. Uh, are you finding bipartisan support in any states, let alone transpartisan support at the grassroots level?
1: Um, we're not seeing a lot of that right now. Definitely, some of our, as we say, our libertarian sisters will join our effort periodically. Um, I think that it is hard in this time of such partisan. Everyone's, you know, retreated to their own corner. It's obviously for um, this issue and many others. It's more challenging, even where we find places to agree to do yeah. that. However, we don't, you know, we know we're we are also one is a nonpartisan organization. Yep. Um, we obviously lean probably more left, left than center left in general. <laughs> Um, but I would agree wholeheartedly with you. Like, you know, this issue not, this is not a left issue or a right issue. This is a constitutional issue, if yeah. you will. Mm-hmm. Um, so we're really working on that. Uh, the women state legislators that we work with primarily have all been Democrats, um, those that are introducing legislation in the states right now. Um, but we welcome others to the table.
0: Well, I mean, that's something that you, you and I should have a conversation <laughs> <offline> <laughs> yes, we should on this as well. Because I, I have to imagine, even just thinking about the federal level, um, there are quite a few... Not, to, not enough, but a few good libertarian-leaning Republicans who are, are already articulating concerns around war powers and, and uh, executive overreach, not necessarily on nuclear issues, but just right. in general, like, right. Yemen and Syria, and et cetera, et cetera. So they should be natural allies of yours on this. But let's go back to the state level. Um, talk a little bit about some of the background, some of these legislators who are introducing this resolution.
1: Uh, you know, we obviously come from the perspective of working with women, and so these are all women state legislators that we w- work with specifically, although obviously the other groups we're with are working, you know, with men as well. And we've had definitely men that are co-signing on these, so, you know, we, we welcome um, them to the table. I would argue that it is, um, I think, in the nature of women writ large, oftentimes to have, I think, a longer view. I think sometimes that they can um, get around some of the issues of the partisan politics that we all suffer mm-hmm. from um, a little more easily <clears throat> sometimes than men can and i think that their drive towards safety and security for their own communities mm-hmm. leads them to not only pay attention to the if you will you know schools and pothole issues that they deal with in their in their with their constituencies every day but to have that eye towards the national level and the federal okay. level i think also being <laughs> brutally honest i think some have eyes on potentially growing their political careers, and maybe going yeah. on to Congress in some capacity at some point. So I think um, honing Good. their chops and learning about these issues and having some competency around them is really important for, you know, potentially their future career. You no,
0: know, you talked about Massachusetts. You're, up for, uh, you're California, but you lived in Massachusetts? No. I never lived in Massachusetts. Oh, you never? No, okay, the organization okay, was based okay, there. Because okay. <laughs> yeah, I remember when I was in grad school, um, I think it was a stone center. It was a, it was a group, uh, a feminist group looking at um, therapy therapeutic Mm. school Mm -hmm. I studied when I was in grad school a million years ago so I don't (laughs) have my members not necessarily that great but I think they affirm what you just said in terms of I think their contention was men generally are agenic women are relational yeah so your contention that you know women have a better chance perhaps of reaching across the aisle looking more long term um is at least supported by some schools of psychology and psychotherapy and and I wonder if the brain science is also supported as well. Yeah, something I need to look into. That's quite interesting.
1: Well, can I just to, to continue that thought a little bit? I mean, it's true. There's been a women's caucus in Congress for a number of years. That is a transpartisan organ. I mean, mm-hmm. those women get together and have dinner periodically nice. and talk to each other. Um, and you know, I think that they have the ability or a little, maybe a little more predisposed to be able to do that. And you know, to the point also, you know, we do research around you know peace and security around the world. And the importance of having women at the table when we're having discussions of whatever form of peace. That A, it increases the likelihood of peace being achieved. It extends the, the length of a peace, typically, if they're That's involved. Good. Yeah. yeah. Um, and that women are often very respected in their communities for being uh, focused on the, on the betterment of the whole.
0: It makes sense from my experience as well. Of course, there's always outliers, and I can think of, of course. the head of the CIA
1: presently. Correct. Yes. I'm not <laughs> so, saying any woman. <laughs> and I'm not saying all men. I mean, I, you know, I understand. That's, yeah. You understand our perspective on that. Yeah,
0: just because uh, she's a woman doesn't <laughs> yeah. mean she's good on these issues. No, nope. <laughs> definitely a, not. Uh, yeah. How has the public responded in these various states in terms of these resolutions?
1: It's been really interesting, and again, I have, you know, I go back to the California one because I was there and on the ground and part of it, you know, we had a phenomenal lobby day with a lot of folks that, you know, all of our various organizations brought in our activists for the day and talked them through their talking points and sent them off to meet with their representatives. And um, there's been real uh, public uh, engagement on this. I think one of the things that nuclear issues can be (coughs) so problematic for people is it feels too big and too overwhelming. And like, well, what what am I gonna do? I'm just we're all gonna die if it goes off anyway. So, I can't, I, I can't, I don't feel like I can be useful in the conversation. So when we once again really? kind of can bite off something that you can understand yeah, and right, that you right. can feel like I can go see my state legislator about this. I can write a letter, sign an action, participate in some way, and I can understand how it informs this issue writ large. Nice,
0: nice, and that's so important because a lot of these issues, as we both know, are seemingly overwhelming. So we have able to kind of uh, take a piece of it, make it understandable so that you can actually go talk to your legislator or their their staff is really key. Besides California, what other states?
1: Um, We are in Massachusetts, uh, New Hampshire, uh, Iowa, Illinois, Hmm. talking off the top of my head, I should have written them all down. we, and it's, what's really interesting is, you know, particularly when you talk about our, you know, Iowa and Illinois, you know, this is this is not just coastal elites, yeah, if you yeah. will. Right, 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 right. Not just
0: California and New York. <laughs> right, right, right. We're not, we,
1: you know, we're working in the middle there as
0: well. Yeah. Um, well, Iowa should be interesting. Yeah. Um, so, yeah. Uh, have you guys
1: worked to think about how you get the Iowans to bring this up as a subject matter for all these presidential candidates coming through? We think about it. Yeah. We, <laughs> we haven't. We haven't figured that one out just yet, yeah. but yeah. Um, you know, right now obviously we're talking all the Democratic candidates and right now we're talking, I don't know, what are we at? Sixteen of them or something? That's a lot. <laughs> yeah. So we may need to um, <clears throat> focus on that a little more when the when the field narrows a little yeah. bit, um because we sim- just simply don't have the resources to
0: Is Maryland one of your seats? Yes. Because um, there's rumors that Hogan might run against Trump. Yes, I've heard those rumors. It yes. mm-hmm. so <laughs> might be Republican for you guys right. to talk to. Yeah. Um, so if folks are interested in learning more about the resolutions, um, more about WAND in general, specifically about these resolutions, and what can they do to support your all's efforts. So first of all, how can they find out about you guys?
1: Uh, easiest is go to our website. So it's www.wand.org. Cool. Um, we have a page specific to our United Against Nuclear War um, that lists where the, all the actions are. Um, we Good. do. Yeah. Good. I would okay. say, number no, one, sign up for our, for our um, email lister. Okay and because we'll send stuff out specific to you in your state wherever you oh, are good, if we've got good. actions going on there um you can you'll get the notification that says hey reach out to your legislator today um and then we have links through to the legislation in the various states the legislators that are involved so you can oh, see if yours is or isn't um and light a fire under him or her if they aren't um so that's the easiest way is really through our website
0: And I assume you're also social media?
1: All the social media. You can find us on (laughs) Facebook and uh, Twitter, obviously, with real active feed. So we do push all those out periodically, too. We'll see all our actions that are um, through all our various social media.
0: Great. Well, we'll make sure to include uh, all your social media um, information on on the show notes. Great. Cool. Well, thank you, Nancy.
1: Thank you, Michael.
0: Wish you much uh, luck and success on this effort.
1: Very much appreciate it.